but it was good nonetheless. I think I'm on here. And thank you for those songs, and the whole morning service has been great to be a part of. Uh, just appreciate everyone. God bless you for for taking the time to come to church. Did you bring your Bibles? And I am from the old school. I remember when they said that about my dad. <laughs> now I am. Now we are it, Phil. <laughs> we are the old school people, and we bring. We we were used to taking our Bibles to everything, any church service. And I know that's changing somewhat, perhaps in the younger ones, because we can have our Bibles on an iPad or even on our phone, which is pretty handy. And, uh, but I feel strongly in a, in a service like this, it just, it's just good to bring your Bible in this kind of form. Um, I, I use my Bible on the phone when I'm working and when I'm driving, and I have it with me in that way, which makes it easier than to have a Bible and driving, if you understand what I mean. <laughs> Do you have your Bibles? Let's, let's show them, each other. Hallelujah. Bring your Bibles to church. <clears throat> Yesterday we had uh, my brothers get together once, like every other month or every two months for a brother breakfast, and I enjoy those a lot, and we got to talking yesterday about regrets that we have and what do we do with them, uh, how do we deal with them. Some are more, they bother us more than others. And we realized that a more sensitive person is more apt to be bothered by regrets than others, perhaps. It doesn't make us more sinner or, or, or you less because of that. It's just our makeup, our personality. But he, sh he shared a story that I had never heard before uh, having to do with speaking the truth. Um, we had a piece of equipment, farm equipment, that Dad uh, advertised to sell. And a guy came to look at it and offered a little less than what it was advertised for. Well, Dad was back in the field, and so my brother had to go back and ask Dad, is it okay, if, uh, would you want to sell this piece of equipment for this price that the guy offered? And he said, yeah. He said, well, I'll take, it was like $50 less. And in the 70s, that's a lot of money, but um, my brother said that he didn't really something about either the guy or whatever and he was just not feeling good about it and he he said I just on the way back up to the house he said I, I kind of got this anger this this I was mad at the guy who was wanting to buy the equipment he said when I got up to the guy uh, he said that no dad's not selling it for less <laughs> and so the guy said well I'm gonna I, I like it I'm gonna buy it anyway and he said my brother said I had regretted that so long that bothered me so long so often because he felt like he lied which he did he wasn't speaking the truth and today I wanted to talk about truth and uh, the, the title for today's message I, I titled it can you be bought and 
When I, when I thought of this, can, can I be bought? I, I, uh, I thought, well, no, I, I'm born again. I'm a believer. But we hear this particularly about around 2015 when Trump started running for president. There was something different about him that previously wasn't really uh, a part of the, like, other people that ran for president. And it stood out to me that as far as money, he couldn't be bought. And he said it. He let everybody know, and he wasn't. He wasn't able to be bought like others, you know, lobbyists come around and, and, and proposition leaders and stuff and if, with money. And so that was part of the reason why everybody, the opposite or the left, hated him so much. He couldn't be bought. He couldn't be. As far as his personal life, it was not so stellar. But for us, ask yourself the question, can you be bought? Can I be bought? And what I mean by is it, when Satan propositions you with something, do you give in? And any time you do, you were just bought. And that happens to me still in my life. Blessed so, as I get older and more mature in my walk with Christ. And I thought about the opposite of what... I, my mind kind of went through... Uh, the word contentment as well. And I know the opposite of contentment is discontentment. But I like to present the opposite of contentment as we can be bought. Because if, if we were content completely and wholly, then we couldn't be bought. Satan couldn't get to us. I mean, he could try. We would never give in. <clears throat> I don't like fiction. <laughs> I like books. I like to read. But I do not like fiction books nor novels. That's just a fancy word for fiction. I want truth. And I want to speak truth. It's my desire here as a, as a pastors to... Just simply speak truth. I got to have truth. We do have to have truth. We cannot live without truth. Truth is life. It gives life. In the story in the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel, the story about the valley of the dry bones, Ezekiel 37 I'm going to read from verse 4 to verse 8, and I, I think sometimes that it's just really nice to have the text that the preacher reads, to have it up on the, on the overhead. But you know what? That kind of makes us lazy, and we think, well, maybe I don't need to bring my Bible because the preacher's going to put the Scriptures up there, and I'll just be fine. And so I, I didn't want to do that because it would go against whatever I just spoke at the beginning. Bring your Bibles. So, I'm going to read Ezekiel 37, verse 4 through 8. And so, this is a vision that God was giving to Ezekiel. He said, again, God said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, 
O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you. I will cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you, you shall know that I am the Lord. And so Ezekiel in verse 7 says, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And, I, as, I, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. And suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over. And if you imagine a valley, I don't know how big, how big this valley was or how many bones were in there, but there was actually, in the vision that he saw, there was bones laying all over the place. Skull, a shin bone, a thigh bone, uh, hip bones, ribs. They were strewn all over the place. And to me, seeing that just, well, a skull by itself, it's, I don't like to see that itself, but a whole bunch of them. I don't know how many, but Ezekiel saw this. And, and if we visualize that, we see that, wow, there is no life. There is no possibility. There's no way that these could be resurrected or to, to life, to enter into them. But in the vision, that's exactly what happened. Why? And God didn't instruct Ezekiel to go gather the bones and make a complete skeleton, put them together, stick them together, glue them or whatever. He didn't say, go get some clothes ready because they're going to come to life. What did God instruct Ezekiel to do? It says prophesy, but what that is, that God instructed Ezekiel to do is to speak truth, and they shall live. Speak truth. And they did. In the dream, as the, as the scripture goes on to say, the vision, I should say, they became alive. Skin came on to them. I mean, all the bones got together and exactly the way they were supposed to be, and they lived. And I can imagine they started walking around. Truth. We cannot live without truth. My desire is to only speak the truth. And there's times when us preachers, we, uh, we include our opinion maybe. And we get excited about our opinions. And it comes across as something that, uh, something that's truth. And it's just an opinion. It can be, can be brought. I don't want to take away from scripture. I don't want to, don't want to add. But I want the scriptures to to do what they were intended to do when God spoke them. <clears throat> so contentment, can we be bought? Is there a tendency for us to be so discontent that we just, we're so susceptible to the world, the flesh, and the devil? Hmm, there's a message in those three words where I can I believe that we're aware of what the devil is capable of doing and what he does and we fight against him and we should and we're aware of what our flesh is prone to do is prone to leave the God we love it's prone to just wander 
our flesh, and we kind of keep that in order, but there's something about world that I like to preach about that maybe we're not so good at in identifying and to, to uh, resist. In 1 Timothy 6 and 6 through 10, Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have the food and but if we have food and clothing with these we will be content. Those who want to be rich, however, fall into temptation and become ensnared by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. How would you say that your contentment level is? Is it 50%? Are you 100%? I want to hang out with you. Where is the contentment? And what, let me ask this question. If you have any feedback, you can... I invite that this morning. What keeps one from being content? Does anybody have any input? What keeps us from being content? Yeah, not trusting God to provide everything that we need. That brings up a thought that I later want to share about trust. Comparing ourselves with others, that's a good one as well. Because we see people that, we see other businessmen that have made strides way beyond what I have, we have. And we think we want to catch up or something. Yeah, anything else? What does bring contentment? That's another side of it. What creates contentment in us? Where do we get it? It's something I want to have more of. I feel like sometimes, some days I'm pretty good. <laughs> I feel like I'm pretty good with it. And other days, other moments, maybe an hour, maybe something else... Uh, happens and, and I compare myself or I just don't trust. It seems like it all slips away and I'm so discontent. How is it for you? Paul also writes in Philippians 4, from verse 10 to 13, it says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. Well, what does contentment mean? Being self-sufficient, content in the sense of being satisfied because living in God's content, which means fullness. And it goes on to, uh, in, the, in the concordance, it, it goes on and kind of explains in what, uh, what it means. This inward sufficiency is as valid in low times, the sufferings, is just as 
sufficient as in high times. When things are good and we feel comfortable and everything, and okay, now I'm content. And that can be temporary. Most times, the high times, low, they don't last. They, they kind of balance each other out. But it's this inward sufficiency. It's a positive inward adequacy that comes through the indwelling power of Christ. And it says at the end there, where it gave me the de uh, definition in the Greek, it says self-sufficiency, which is entirely God-produced. So we can't flip a switch or, or work enough hours or as little as we, we can to become content. It is entirely God-produced. So how do we get it? This is the opposite. This, this where I want to live at in the contentment in Christ is the opposite of being able to be bought by the devil. Paul understood that contentment is learned because he said, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. So if God produces it in us, there must be a plan, or, or, or at least God has a plan to want, to, obviously, to birth that in us, which comes at the, at the moment that we trust Christ for salvation. No, I believe that knowing Him is learning to be content. So, as we know Him better, we become more content. It just doesn't seem like it happens overnight. And, and that is so opposite of what world is. And as we get older, things are faster. Things are more handy. We have technology and so on. Everything speeds up, kind of. And it affects us in every area of life, from food to driving to work. Becoming content is God-produced, and it takes time. But as it happens, it's so good. It's so calming and so awesome. We humans are not born with contentment. Now, there's differences in our personality where it looks like maybe, oh, that guy's really content. He's so easygoing. But we don't know the turmoil that can be in our lives. Nobody knows that we're not content. In 1 John 1, 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. And you notice that it doesn't say, but if we run in the light or if we hurry around in the light, it says walk. Walk in the light as he is in the light. This morning we talked a little bit about prayer in the Sunday school and how most of our prayers are centered on ourselves. We ask God to do this. We ask God to do that. Heal that person. Heal us. Do that. Bless us. Keep us protected. It is so much focus on our own self. Instead of asking God, what are you doing in this situation or in this person's life or in my life. <coughs> Excuse me. 
what are you doing in my life? I want to align myself with what you are doing at Mount Zion or in my life or that person's life. I want to align myself with what you are doing and walk with him and watch with him. We need to be gently reminded of what God has done for us and in us. He has made us new creatures in Christ Jesus. He has given us of his spirit. And sometimes we just simply need to be reminded of that, of what Jesus, what God has done for us through Christ. And to desire a deeper knowing in the very deepest part of my inner being. And so I want to say that love is the conduit to truth. And the truth is that we need to be more content in who we are in Christ so that we can't be bought by the enemy or the world or the flesh or the devil. In other, in other words, it's good if we need, we need someone to love us enough to make us secure enough so that we can ask the questions that will help us see the depths of his love. It just seems like there is no way for me to know the depths completely of his love on this side of eternity. But we can get glimpses of it, grow in that, by the help of each other. If we love each other enough to make us secure enough to ask the questions that will help us see the depths of his love. I know it's kind of a long sentence, but I, I kind of like it. <laughs> I believe that our depth of knowing the Father is a determinant of how content we are. So if you're not content, you're always hurrying about wanting to get another thing or something. kind of tells the depth of your knowledge of him. If we are not content, we also not secure. I think that was what Samaria was talking about, referring to as we're not secure in Christ makes us discontent. What are some of the reasons that we are not secure in him? Maybe it's because he doesn't answer our prayers the way we ask. Because we pray for somebody to get healed. Or we pray for a blessing here or protection there and somebody has a major accident after, you know. And or because of the depth of the delusion in the world. Maybe it's because of a dysfunctional family situation. You just, that makes you not secure in him. You know why? Because we think it's the potential, I believe, in us to think that God is somehow withholding something from me. We don't, I don't think we, at least I don't, I wasn't aware of that until I began to think about this, is that subconsciously, I think we hold, we, we feel God is withholding something from us. And if you feel that about God or anybody else, you're not going to trust them or God fully. Because what if that's true? He didn't answer my prayers, so 
either that or the opposite is if we feel like we're not good enough which basically comes back to the same reason we feel like why is God withholding something good from me and I'm not going to trust him because of that and if he is withholding us something from us then subconsciously we distrust him and his love so how can we get to where we trust him and we can become content contentment is not learned at a contentment seminar either it is found in Jesus love for you and I know we talk about the love chapter 1st Corinthians 13 we preach about love and we we talk about the love of Christ but there is something more to that love than than I have enough of I don't have enough of that I don't know that but I am learning it and when little things happen that I know that God loves me it just excites me and at the same time makes me more content it just brings contentment okay God I feel that can you be bought only you can answer that if you can say as Paul did I have learned in whatever state I am to be content then and only then can you not be bought I want to read a verse of, uh, in uh, 1 Timothy 6, verse 20 and 21. Such beautiful scripture. This, this, this I cannot get enough of. Uh, some things are maybe a little bit hard to understand sometimes. And I've had people already say to me well I don't understand the Bible and some things we can't understand but I think the thing that bothers them is not what they don't understand it's what they do understand and don't want to yield to but this word of God is something that a born again believer cannot do without and sometimes you go through a dry season but it must always come back. And this beautiful scripture that I wanted to read to you right now, just in closing as well. O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith. world offers counterfeit answers to your questions and too often we go to world we don't realize that that's what's happening because it makes sense we believe it but it is world and what Paul was telling Timothy is here trust uh, guard what has been entrusted to you avoiding worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments is what is called falsely called knowledge it will cause you to go astray it will cause you to be discontent and he has four words at the end there of first Timothy grace be with you I can honestly say I found this uh, 
desiring the contentment and the opposite of being able to being bought by the enemy, I found this and find this continually to be a daily challenge because it's not something that just happens and then you're fully content. It's a daily challenge for me, and I believe it is for you as well. But as he reveals more of himself by his spirit within me, I am more confident than ever. And for that, I am so grateful. Ask God this week, every day this week, ask him, in what way are you going to reveal love to me? Love is the conduit of truth. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning's time together with the Mount Zion people, with believers who want truth and who want to live thereby. I know it, I feel it, I sense it, that the people here want more of you. And I pray that you would grant them that this week, this, even today, even now as I speak, your fullness to be imparted to them in somehow. And I know that we can't, we're human beings and we needed to have it piecemeal, a little bit at a time. But I pray you grant that to us today. Something that will make us believe more and trust you more. And I just pray that for all of us now in Jesus' name. Amen.